0: Before we really get into tonight's show, I'm going to let everybody in on a secret, a secret that we've been trying to tell you about for Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, and now Valentine's Day. It is the most romantic gift you could get your wife or husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. It's the best Valentine's Day gift ever, especially this year during the pandemic. And I'm talking about my story.com. Talk to a professional writer about a loved one for 10 to 15 minutes, and the MyFrontPageStory.com writer will write the most incredible story about them. There is something truly amazing about saying to someone, I want to do something special for you this year, so I had a story written about you. We're not talking about a box of chocolates. We're not talking about some cheap earrings that you're picking up at the dollar store. MyFrontPageStory.com. The story looks like it is on the front page of a newspaper framed and a lifetime keepsake they will put in their house immediately. It is incredibly emotional, and your partner is going to love it. Bottom line, your loved one will cry happy tears and you'll win. That's myfrontpagestory.com. Use code Theory15 for 15% off. Again, that's myfrontpagestory.com. Use code THEORY15 for 15% off. I'm going to tell you right now, they are going to love it.
1: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty Fantasy Football. With your hosts, John Bauer.
0: Looking to sell everybody price dependent.
1: Dan LaMagna.
0: Too much dysfunction in Cleveland.
1: And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. A proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. And we are joined by the Brahma Bowl over there. Or is that John Cena? I can't tell. But that's Dan LaMagna, at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan?
1: I'm pumped from the Super Bowl still, man. I'm wearing the same sneakers that the streaker that went through the field wore. So I figured I'd celebrate that moment and give a. A playoff thank you to my boy uh, Lenny tonight. You know, it all started with basketball there. He helped uh, wrap up a nice DFS season. A thank you to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and congratulations tonight. My condolences to McCall Hardman. He kind of disappeared on me, but uh, I'm pumped, boys. Let's talk some Dynasty.
0: Two things. One, I'm not sure, Mitch, do we have a guarantee from Dan that he, in fact, was not the streaker? Like, do we know this for sure? <laughs> Sadly, there's been some pictures of the streaker <laughs> <laughs> okay. a little bit younger than Dan. <laughs>
2: He's a paisan, he's
0: a
1: paisan, I think. So we, we might be related.
0: I don't know. And then I was cracking up because of course Dan retweeted the picture of him and Lenny. And he's like, Hey, Lenny, can I get a a, a like or a retweet? And somebody commented, I think he's busy, Dan. This is post-Super Bowl. Dan is demanding a retweet from Lenny, and you know he's celebrating. John, give me credit.
1: I offered a charity donation with that retweet. I offered.
0: Of course. I'm I'm sure he was a little bit busy, but we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's going on? Happy MFL rollover day. Not so
2: happy for commissioners, though, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit of work, but you get this day over with, and it all calms down. MFL made some pretty cool changes, so I'm really happy with that. So it's going to be a good year. Well, hopefully that all goes off without a hitch. And then
0: tonight is the final installment of the coaching carousel series that we've been doing. New year, new coaches, part three. It's like, you know, we're not going to get up to what, eight or nine like Rocky Balboa, you know, uh, within that series. But so we're going to stop at three here. But new year, new coaches, and Dan, first, before I let you get going on the Jets, this is going to be a Dan Lamania show pretty much, <laughs> and we're here for it. But I do want to say, Dan, I want to give you kudos because somebody DM'd me on Twitter, and they had you know some very nice comments to say about you specifically and the information you gave on the Los Angeles Chargers. So I do want to say kudos to you.
1: Hey, man, I appreciate that. But you know, to our listeners, we just make a great team, the three of us here, and just compliment each other. You guys know I love the world of coaching, so this is right in my wheelhouse. But I'm uh, looking forward to another show tonight. All
0: right, well, this is the episode of dysfunction, if you will. We're going <laughs> yes, over the is. New York Jets, the Houston, Texas, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dan, start us off, New York Jets, Robert Salah. I think I actually pronounced that correctly. In the show notes, I put their name and then pronunciation, how I would phonetically say it. So I think I nailed that one, but Dan, what do you got for us? New York jets, Robert Salah,
1: you throw me off. This is like a slow burn for our listeners tonight, starting off with the J E the T S J-E-T-S, jets, jets, jets. You know, I think for anyone who likes, you know, following coaches, interested in the coaching ranks, even just, you know, maybe a study leaders, this is just a fun practice for Dynasty here watching these organizations and these leaders in these press conferences. And I've been just having fun dissecting them, getting ready for the dynasty season, you know, seeing how what kind of shifts are going to happen in management here. And as you mentioned, JB, this is kind of the show of dysfunction tonight. Jets, Jaguars, Texans. Oh, there's a lot of dysfunction to get to. Stoked to get to the Texans. But right now, when you look at the Jets. 19 coaches in, in 60, no, 20 coaches in 61 seasons now. They have one ever Super Bowl with Broadway Joe and two winning coaches ever. Can you imagine taking that job knowing only two coaches ever in the history of this organization were winners? You know, those Bill Parcell days were nice, but we have went through a tough time since um I think Parcells and Al Gro and Weeb Eubank are probably their three most successful coaches. And and we was still only 71 and 77 career. So go do no, go to no,
0: We you babe. I had a feeling we were gonna touch on him tonight.
1: We're, we're dropping knowledge bombs tonight, man. And then we just survived the fantasy football community, the Alice Adam Gase uh, sorry saga there, and the the Lev Bell saga. It's all past. So I dive into this and Chris Johnson, chairman CEO. Man, you know, he sold us a bag of goods on Adam Gase, his last press conference that I watched. And that was very painful to watch. And I think at that time I predicted dysfunction. So I didn't want to listen to too much of him because I'm just not a believer. And if you do listen to him, guys, like if you got a new job and you went into this organization, you'd be like, oh, what am I signing up for? And obviously you're just thrilled to get one of the 32 best jobs in the NFL. So you're going to say, hey. Chris Johnson's awesome, man, but the hope here, I think for fantasy owners is NGM Joe Douglas from 2019 to present. You know, he had some success with the Eagles prior. He left the Eagles kind of went downhill and this team is building through the draft. Um, you know, coach Robert Sala, I'm rooting for this guy. I I really do hope, uh, you know, I know the players love him. We hear a lot of that. They say he's a great communicator. He opens up that presser man with all gas, no break. Like I was getting pumped up. All right, come on coach. But, um, he, that's his motto for this team: all gas, no break. Everything we do. I just hope he could survive in the Jets' world. There, you know, they talked about the re- reporting structure changing. Uh, it doesn't sound like much change. You know, Coach Sala just sound talked a lot about good communication. There is a heavy, heavy, heavy reliance on everybody reporting up chain by chain and being on the same page in this organization, and I'd be very concerned about that. Uh, Joe Douglas noted, you know, the integrity and passion that the cl- coach has with the ability to connect, but I don't think the media was buying it. Guys, I loved it when their media says, coach, what would you say to the perception of the dysfunction used my favorite buzzword dysfunction of the Jets brass? Is this fair or unfair? And coach solid tried to say that it was unfair and gave some, you know, popular coaching line about uh perception, but it's going to be tough, man. Uh, the, the, all the, the final say goes through Coach Douglas. Uh, Coach said that, you know, that final say is irrelevant because they're all going to be on the same page. But I remember Parcells in the past saying, hey, if I'm going to shop for the groceries, I want to cook the dinner. And I don't know if Coach Saw is going to be able to cook the dinner here. So, you know, he, he's going to invest in his players like his children, he said. I think the players will play hard for him. But him and Joe Douglas really got to get these upcoming draft picks right. I think for fantasy, he did mention uh, belief in uh, Sam Darnold. You know, he says that he, he's showing. I've seen on film why he's a number one draft pick. Talked about his arm strength, his mobility. So there was a little bit of a you know endorsement there in the press conference that could be encouraging and maybe that's a a tip off to what's coming on draft day. Unless something shifts behind the walls there in the Jets system, and he also talked about using the Shanahan system. Uh said, Mike Benton's going to be their run game coordinator. I think this is going to be San Francisco 49ers 2.0. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Belief in Sam Darnold, 49ers 2.0. What do you think?
0: Well, a lot of it comes down to Mike LaFleur, right? He's the offensive
1: coordinator. Yep. And then he, he mentioned bringing him in for the Shanahan system.
0: That's exactly it. So he was the passing game coordinator 2017 to 2020 and then 17 and 18 as well. He was the wide receiver coach. And I went back, and you know, when we go through all these coaches, we look at the success or lack thereof that they've had in the past. And for Mike LaFleur, when he was the wide receiver coach in 2017, and 2018, he was just piecing together a wide receiver core Marquise Godwin, Kendrick Bourne. Those are the guys that they were really relying on. And then, of course, George Kittle on the running back involvement in the passing game. But for fantasy purposes, what we're focused on, yeah, it's a great story. Robert Salah coming over, defensive coordinator in San Fran as well. But for fantasy purposes, we look at the offensive coordinator. This isn't a situation where the head coach takes over. He's calling the plays. He's the one that we're really paying attention to. So it all comes down to Mike LaFleur. And Mitch, like Dan talked about, in the press conferences they talk about the first round draft pick and Sam Darnold mm-hmm. you and i we were high on that train we have been
2: fooled before are we going to be fooled again here fooled as in if they're going to keep him or not because yeah. i think it's are tough.
0: are they going to give him another chance are they going to either trade back from that number 2 overall draft pick or Are they going to go with a rookie quarterback? And guys, tonight is not the night that we're going to get into who should be that quarterback. Yes. Would they take a quarterback?
2: Yes. So when you look at the Shanahan system, it just works. I mean, you look at Minnesota, very good. Tennessee, um, San Francisco, of course. Atlanta when he was there. So the Shanahan system works. And if you look at those quarterbacks in those systems, Sam Darnold kind of fits. You know what I mean? When you just... Take a step back on what he's done previous in the year. But when you look at his talent, you're like kind of a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, the quarterback that LaFleur is just coming from. And so when I look at that, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, dude, if they could take an offensive tackle there, if they take Slater or if they take – I can never remember the tackle out of Oregon. um uh, so, soul. so well. Yeah, so soul. soul. So, yeah. so and, you know, really, really quick, and you've said – because you pay
0: attention, a lot of attention to Daniel Jeremiah and the mm-hmm. NFL and the NFL folks. And you have said that maybe the perception of of soul out there in Oregon is a, we we perceive him as a better tackle in the fantasy community than maybe the actual NFL does.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people haven't caught up because there's Slater who everyone's kind of calling the best tackle, but he's a senior to where you get like the little bit of that. Age discount with the other guy, but I actually think there's a decent I like how you're you're just calling the other guy because I don't know if you say soul or swell, to be honest with you.
0: I think it's soul, but again, I say tole it's tole.
2: S-E-W-E-L-L. Toll, soul, it's all exactly. Matter. So excuse us, because you know we're we're great with names, makes us look really professional. But I mean, talk about those two. It makes sense. When you look at this team, you look how Shanahan's system, you want a good offensive line. They don't need to draft a good running back. They just need to fix that offensive line.
0: And and just like you said with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, and then you pointed to Shanahan in Atlanta, it was that not, you know, not to say Sam Donald can't run because he had that that fantastic 60-yard touchdown (laughs) in that one uh, night game there in 2020. But in in Atlanta, it was Matt Ryan, right? So it's kind of those old-school-type quarterbacks that are more of a pocket passer, that have really excelled in these situations under the, the Shanahan regime. And as I've done with with these other coaches and OCs in the past on these other two episodes, I like to run down the historical target shares for the positions. So last two years in New York, and this was under Adam Gase, 57% and 50% pass rate, Okay. 11 and 12 percent tight end target share. We know over the last two years, everybody was screaming, Chris Herndon is my breakout. Chris Herndon is my breakout. Not quite. And then a 20 and 15 percent running back target share. Now we transition to the Kyle Shanahan system 60, 56, that one outlier year, 49 percent, and then 57 percent pass rate. 27, 22, 22, and 24 running back target share. Those were percentages. I probably should have said that. And then a 17, 28, 27, and 24% tight end target share. So a lot of numbers, but basically in Kyle Shanahan's system, we're looking at running back and tight end targets. Whereas in Adam Gase, I don't know what the heck he was looking at, but it wasn't going to the tight ends. It wasn't going to the running backs. It was all Jamison Crowder.
2: So real quick, he has George Kittle. So we have to account for that because when you look at other places, you look in Minnesota, you look in Tennessee, right? They had John U. Smith. They didn't use John U. Smith like they used George Kittle in San Francisco because of course they don't, right. And so in Atlanta, I'm trying to think of what tight end they had then, but I can't remember who it was. so I don't think they were that good at fantasy when Shanahan was there because it was still the you know, Julio show.
0: Yeah, before Hooper, I mean it was it was all funneled through Julio and, and just the
2: wide receiver core. And so that's my worry. Is this a Patriot situation to where everyone goes, the Patriots love tight ends. They love Gronk and they loved Aaron Hernandez when he was there. But besides that, they haven't used anybody. I just worry that that's kind of the case. And it's something we're going to see in Philadelphia too. I think it's a really good point that you brought up. And I don't expect the,
0: the tight end target share to double essentially. And then some, But I do think we're going to see an uptick. So I do think there is that benefit in that, uh, you know, in Chris Herndon's favor. You know, is he going to be the guy everybody wants him to be? And they've wanted him to be since his rookie year where he really made that splash? Possibly not. But I do think we see an uptick. So maybe 16, 17, 18% target share for the tight ends. And Mitch, when you and I really start digging into our projections, these are there were very few situations, but this is going to be one of them where you and I are like, eh, I, don't, I don't know if we agree here. But yep. Dan, based on that information, I know numbers for Dan, he could throw him out the window. He's that film guy. He's that tape guy. What does he see on Sundays? What do you think we can expect, whether it's Sam Darnold, Chris Herndon, the wide receiver core? Obviously, we're not quite sure what's going to happen at running back. Where do you think we could possibly see an uptick in fantasy production with Robert Salah, Mike LaFleur, the new regime here?
1: You see, you, some, you set that up very good, JB. I got to give you a credit because for our listeners, if it, you, what, what you don't see is the notes that JB puts together for the show. And he put some very fancy numbers tonight. And I, I think I glanced and said, heck <laughs> with the numbers. <laughs> I, I know what my eyes showed me, but but he did, really did put together some nice statistics on these guys tonight. Um, but from the film, in the last few games when the Jets started to play good, and, and yes, my sickness, I even watched Jets football you know, for, for DFS purposes too, but Chris Herndon did come alive a little bit when Sam Darnold got it got back in there and they were playing <laughs> good. Now, is he going to be the Chris Herndon we ever hoped for? Probably not. But could he become relevant again in a part of an offense that's utilized under Coach Sala? I, I could definitely see that happen with Coach LaFleur in, in that San Francisco st- style. Rashad Perryman when Flacco was the quarterback and it was healthy. And, and the problem with Perryman is he wasn't healthy most of the season. But when he was in a small sample size, and it, it's kind of the case the last few years with Perryman. He's like a, a there's like a stigma about him. Like when he's healthy and gets rolling, you're like, wow, like this guy looks like a number one draft pick. He once was like he, he started to really come out of his shell um, with Tampa Bay. And then this year with the Jets and limited action. So there's a little bit of hope there. Um, Denzel Mims, you know, he didn't quite excite us like, like we hoped, you know, but maybe in year two, he could show a little bit more flashes, also stay healthy himself. And, you know, we, we know uh, Mitch's boy Crowder is, is the PPR machine. But, again, it's kind of another guy that has to stay healthy. They've got three starting wide receivers now that none of them were healthy for an entire season. Um So, but in this kind of offense, and I think when you're building a team, the receivers are the last thing you really need to build around uh, to, I think you guys said, you know, running back, anybody could seem to run in this system. So they're going to have to get some pieces in free agency. They definitely need talent on this roster, but I think you do build it through the O-line, like you said, and you build it through defense and we got to watch to see what they do in free agency, but You know, Dynasty guys on your roster now, I think there's just just a little sliver left of hope on Chris Herndon where I say don't give up yet because he did show something. Maybe with a functional coach and staff, he could do better.
2: Dan hit on something right there that kind of went over it really quick. But as far as the running back goes, I don't care who the running back is in this system. It could be Frank Gore. It could be Todd Gurley. It could be a rookie. It could be an undrafted free agent that I've never heard of. I'm going to want that running back. Like, I don't care who it is at this point. Whoever is that starting running back that we know in July, I want that guy.
1: And that's going to be the challenge, Mitch, because they're probably going to bring in a few guys. And mm-hmm. just like it was with the Niners last year and in recent years, we got to figure out who that guy or guys are going to be.
2: If it's and- Chris Carson, is he a fourth round pick this year in it's re- super flex drafts? In-, in Dynasty or in Dynasty? Yep. No, I don't think so. Because that puts him right above Antonio Gibson.
0: Yeah, that, there's no way. And I, mm. I, I think a lot of them, and tell you why, it's going to be the you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell burn me in twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, I, I, I want to go, go in
1: between your thoughts there. I, I agree, JB, like fourth round, no. I think Packer Nation there saying fourth no way. Um he's not gonna you're not gonna take him in dynasty ahead of Gibson. But Mitch brings up a good point. If this yeah, team invests in him and say he's gonna be the guy. He's going to be on your draft board around then. You're going to look at him and you're going to pass him up for the Gibson and then like maybe like fifth round, sixth round. Yeah. He's going to be a good pick that people are, are going to want to have. Again, if the team's investing in him, he gets a few-year contract. The guy's a beast. We love him. He just needs the opportunity to stay
0: healthy. The issue with this is, and we've hit on this a lot on the Patreon on our Sunday brunches, and can you guys never corrected me. I keep saying patreon.com backslash dynasty theory it's forward slash it's forward slash. So today I'm literally like looking at them. Today
1: today we will take you to the correct site, ladies and gentlemen,
0: when it comes to technology and even a a website name, a domain name, a URL is that, am I using these terms correctly? But I'm there. I'm butchering it, but no. So here's my thing. And we've talked about this countless times with roster construction and startups at that point, assuming no trades have been made, that's right around the time i'm looking to hammer home wide receiver so true
2: too fifth sixth seventh round fifth sixth yeah but if chris carson is there as the running back for the jets i'm taking chris carson over all those wide receivers in the fifth round i i'd have to see that draft board because we've seen players like
0: mike evans slip i'm not taking chris carson over mike evans that
1: could depend and how you're constructing your roster too. I mean, who you you? We all know. I build my running match.
2: backs a little bit differently than everybody else does. So that's the guy, just a different the guys in the chat, team building. We're not,
0: we're just, we just hit 20 minutes and the glasses are almost ready to come off. That's how this show is going. Or no, I, it's like in happy Gilmore. When he, he holds back from tossing the golf club. I, I held back.
2: See, I thought bringing up Chris Carson would fix that because I also have James Connor written down, and I knew like the glasses would have been like into the wall at that point.
0: No, I, I, I love James Connor. I do. Just, I, I, I even if you say you, let, let's say that you have Chris Carson because I think he's a better example. If you say Chris Carson, he gets signed to a three-year deal in New York. They don't draft anybody. He's their guy. I don't think. Even if you have met running back twenty, you don't have to take him there in startups.
2: I, I truly don't think you have to take him there. We'll see. Okay, we'll timestamp this. We'll come back to it. Hey, you get so, that.
1: Per, you get that perfect running scheme, and you if they get their own line where it needs to be, and they made some steps last year, you know, and they if they invest again in the first round, and you get a Carson or a Connor, I think to what Raheem Mostar did when he was healthy this year, man, he was ripping big runs. Like he looked beast mode. Like he could help you win a league. Now you he healthy.
0: Are we comparing the Jets' offensive line to the
2: 49ers right now? We I'm, will if they draft an offensive tackle, at two.
1: They could be taking steps in that right direction. And That's in that what system,
2: prefacing this, the, on.
1: Shanahan systems always seem to flourish with the running backs.
0: I'm going to like their running back, yes. But to say fourth round in a super flex startup, we I don't, fifth don't
2: know. Fifth, 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 sixth. Fifth we didn't say right. fourth. I was wrong on fourth. fourth.
0: Fifth, I, okay. I'm more on fifth. I was like, wait a minute. I know I heard fourth. Okay. No, no, so I it. <laughs> I, did you guys think we were going to spend 22 minutes talking about the Jets and then
2: hypothetical situations with which running back might land there? I uh, did, but we have Houston next, and it's not going to take 20 minutes there. Uh, last thing. Do you think? Mitch. <laughs> no, this is the last thing I promise. Mitch, today,
0: February 9th, 2021, you? do you believe, assign a percentage, a probability, that the Jets do, in fact, take a quarterback at two?
2: Because I've been wavering a little. Forty. Forty percent. All right. Dan?
1: I'll say 50 percent, uh, and I'll get into that a little more when we get to Jacksonville.
0: I, I I mean, if they stay at two, they have to take a quarterback, right? No. I'll go 71.4 percent chance they take a quarterback. And I think they're going to make the wrong choice and go with Zach Wilson. I, I do. I, I think
1: oh, stop it with the wrong choice with Zach Wilson. He's cho- the right choice, JB.
0: All right. Well, it's my job to keep this show moving. We're on to the Houston Texans, <laughs> Mr. David Colley, David, David, who David Colley and Dan, I want to start with you because Mitch's show notes right here. It says, uh, let's move on to the Jaguars. All right. It says, so good luck, Dan. All right, Dan, what do you got for us?
2: I am super
1: intrigued about the Houston Texans. I was going into our show notes here. This was out of the three teams, the one I was looking forward to the most. And starting with the dysfunction notes, this makes five coaches in 19 seasons. No Super Bowls. My notes say no plan. You know, they haven't had a plan in in their 19 seasons. They've had, you know, a couple cups of tea where they had some success, but they always find a way to regress. Uh, We went through Dom Capers, Coach Kubiak, Wade Phillips' time, Lord knows we just survived another error with with Bob there and Bill O'Brien. They've traded draft kick draft capital, they've paid big money to kickers, they've had bad trades, they've had Bill O'Brien's comments in the media and that they've had no protection for their franchise quarterback in the O line historically and then now all this going on with Watson and JJ Watt not even wanting to play there. You have Sports Illustrated, you know, right up on Jack Easterby and the controversy there is this Rise from intern to team chaplain to VP of team development with a lot of power. Who is interim GM? And it's uh, it's very interesting in Houston. So I start off this press conference with Cal McNair, guys. You know, their chairman and CEO. And it was an episode of The Twilight Zone. Must see TV, guys. We'll go watch the press conference, our listeners, if you haven't already. He starts off talking about an organization committed to excellence on the field, built with integrity and character, and a winning mentality. And his, his statement is, fans must trust that we are right. Now, you tell me how these fans are, could possibly trust that he's right. But he said that with some conviction there. He said he understands Watson felt left out, and he looks forward to hearing back from Deshaun after his vacation. Now, you telling me your relationship is that bad where you can't pick up the phone and send a text during a vacation, have a little bit of communication. Talked about consulting with others during. Wait, really
0: quick, Mitch. That yes. sounds like whenever Dan's on vacation, I try to get a hold of him. He always, Every time, new number, who this? <laughs> vacation,
2: that's daily.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dan's nah. life is a vacation. We know that.
1: It, it is worse in Houston, gentlemen. It is worse in Houston. His exact words, Cal McNair, was "My decision process. My decision process. Not my Let's forget about the lack of communication with McNair. The new, the new management coaching. My decision." Then he had a tear in his eye when his new GM Nick uh, Casario spoke there from from New England. The writer questioned him on how he preaches excellence after all the dysfunction. Guys, this is my lucky day. Two press conferences, two writers are, are quoting dysfunction. And he what does he do? He recalls an ice bucket challenge with this writer that doesn't start out about, not offended by the dysfunction, not sticking up for his franchise. He's like, John, do you remember when we did that ice bucket challenge together? Great memories. I, I couldn't believe I was watching this, but you know what? He says, we're not far apart from 2019. Our vision is of building a wall. I thought Donald Trump was up there speaking next. No, he says it's going to be brick by brick, day by day. And then he just said, you know, he, he talked about Jack Easterby. The writer hammered him on that, too. You know, again, you're talking excellence. What's with this guy here? And he says he's gifted in many areas, such as Nick is doing. No substance to his answer whatsoever. So that 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 is the leadership of the Houston Texans franchise. You see why Deshaun and JJ are frustrated. Then GM comes up, Nick Cassery. Man, let me tell you guys, this is his team right now. He is running it, and he is trying to cover up for this dysfunctional owner, in my opinion. He thanked others, his family, shared his plan about being selfless, and then it just flatlined. There was no substance to his press conference ever. He did say that football decisions are mine. Um, he did say with the head coach, the relationship he mentioned being strong with Easter B, and who serves a lot of people. So that's what team chaplains do, not not management. And then he uh, abruptly cut off Cal McNair when asked the question and just kind of took control of the press conference. Then the pep rally started and we have a new head coach in David Cully. This guy will get you fired up. It's another head coach. that I'm kind of rooting for. I'm a little worried he went into a jet situation there. Uh, He was an assistant with Kansas City and the Ravens. Been around many great coaches. Parcells recruiting Vanderbilt. uh, Told some good stories. Been with Andy Reid, Sean McDermott. He's gotten a ringing endorsement from John Hardbaugh, uh, Jimmy Johnson. And it was really a respectful guy. I I really did enjoy his press conference. You know, he talked about folks on what we control one day at a time, being the best versions of himself with with the GM there. Uh, study the common denominator of successful head coaches, and mentioned he took this job because of Deshaun Watson, you know. So there was some conviction there that this is our guy, and they want him. Is it is it speak so they could get more for him, or they, they they're trying to fix what's broke? I mean, he's probably praying he gets Deshaun Watson because if he doesn't get Deshaun Watson, I think he's in for a long haul as head coach, and I, and I feel bad for him because he is really excited to to be there. His press conference was all jargon, no substance. I had to go watch a, a personal one on one interview with him to try to get some feel for what they were going to run. And all he said was uh, tough, flexible, aggressive in all three phases of the game. Again, no substance really to what him and his his staff is going to do. So, guys, you tell me what's going on in Houston there. All I got was dysfunction, lip service, not too much substance, a pretty cool head coach that could motivate that team. But I don't know if he has the support he needs.
0: Mitch, this threw both of us off. We were actually – he was hired, I believe – right after we finished up an episode of fantasy football confidential yes. and you and I, we talked with Troy and Linda and mm-hmm. I have some thoughts on it. And I shared it with those with, uh, with Troy and Linda as well, but uh, this kind of came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah. honestly, actually, I've never, I mean, I paid attention to the NFL my whole life. I've never heard of David Coley before. Like I might've heard his name in passing, but it definitely didn't resonate with me with me when I heard that they hired him. And
0: Dan, you talked about, you ran through that list, Harbaugh, McDermott, Reed, the glowing endorsements. But let's look at that really quick. He was the Ravens wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator in 2019 and 2020. And we've made this joke before, and I'm going to make it again. I did not know the Ravens even had a (laughs) passing game coordinator. They throw the ball four times a game. So what was David Culley actually responsible for?
2: mark holly hollywood browns he was also josh allen josh allen's quarterback coach when josh allen wasn't a good quarterback so
0: i'm, I'm getting there I'm, <laughs> sorry sorry no so 2017 and 2018 the buffalo quarterback coach everybody knows how i feel about josh allen i love the player that is josh allen as a quarterback he was freaking horrendous he was horrendous and this this isn't me saying Oh, you know, like I I wasn't in on him from the start because I was, but he was a terrible actual quarterback with David Culley as the quarterback coach. Okay. Maybe he got better with Kansas city. He was the wide receiver coach 2013, 2016. They had a season where a wide receiver didn't have a touchdown. How is that possible? So I know this guy's been around and Dan, you have all of his historical information, you have his social security number. You have everything about this guy, but even though the names that you mentioned, they are the top coaches in the NFL. That that's, that is not a glowing endorsement. When you look at the historical numbers associated with David Colley. Yeah, I'm
1: worried. You know, we go back to previous episodes, especially we broke down the chargers. You mentioned that at the beginning of the show. And, That organization gave us a lot of insight to the direction they were going, the process behind it. You could believe it in the Los Angeles Chargers. When I listened to David Culley, again, he was a well-spoken guy. Like, I could see on a short-term basis, like – if you were in the same room with this guy, you'd love him. Okay. It kind of reminds me of like a Mike Singletary a little bit when he coached you with the Niners, you know, when he first started coaching in the NFL, we're like, man, he was awesome as a player. You listen to him. He'll pump you up. He's a football guy. This is a football guy here. You know, he talked about liking boxing and had some great stories. Like he captured my attention with his stories. Uh, But you know, when it comes down to Sundays and you've got to call games and you got to manage those games, that's when you can get in trouble really fast. And if he can't manage football games, it's going to be a sinking ship because I don't have uh, faith in the front office.
0: Now, I, w- I want your opinions. I don't want to get into this too much, but whenever this hire, this hire took place and we were – it was right after Fantasy Football Confidential and I said, Troy, I want your opinion. And, you know, we always talk very openly, which is fantastic about Fantasy Football Confidential, shameless plug. But I said, do you think there was a chance David Colley was the guy that they brought in? because he's a black coach and it is a last ditch effort to keep Deshaun Watson. And there wasn't much disagreement there. And I'm not saying that's the only reason he was brought in, but when you had all these other top candidates and they didn't, you know, they didn't even take in. I, I know obviously Eric B another black coordinator, which everybody's familiar.
1: He's why don't you interview him, JB? That that that's why I would say it's not because this was a minority hire. Because why on earth don't you interview or wait to interview Eric Bianami? And JB, I'm gonna get a little little not a tangent, but I think the reason is is this coach is a good speaker, and I think he just snowed him. I think all those names he threw in the interview that he name dropped, like he, I mean, I'm telling you, listen, you listen to his press conference. He is. I would love to sit and talk with him for a day. Like I, I think he's got leadership qualities, but I don't know if he's a football guy. Like to tell If extent, you sit
0: down and talk with him, don't let him listen to this episode because he might not want to talk to you after. Yeah, he might not. He's
1: but you know he would because he said in the press conference he doesn't listen to the naysayers. Doesn't listen to him. He only listens to in in the house and, and within the NFL. So
2: Okay, so going back to this Deshaun Watson thing, right? So he signed the contract last year. We know he did that. He signed the extension. So we obviously like the team at that point. But when you look at this franchise, Bob McNair, so Cal McNair's dad, he was the one during the CBA lockout. He was the one that actually said that we can't let the prisoners run the asylum. And then he came back and apologized for it after. And then two years down the road, he says, no, I never should have apologized for it because I meant with what I said. And so you have to wonder if Deshaun Watson is seeing all of this with the franchise, And I've always been the one being like, you know what? They're not going to trade him. And I actually think that they might not trade him just to try to prove a point you know, from how that franchise views things. But I actually think it's a really, really close parallel to Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer went through the exact same thing with the Bengals. He said he'll retire. The Bengals pretty much played a season without him. And then he got shipped off to the Oakland Raiders after that. So I actually think it could easily happen to where we don't see Deshaun Watson on the field this year because he has enough money and it's not just contract money. He has all of the endorsement money that's going to keep coming in. So it's not like, oh, you know, he earned this much playing on the field. Doesn't matter because he probably makes double that off the field in marketing.
1: Now you have me nervous, Mitch. You ruined my night. You're in my head.
2: It's a war of attrition,
0: essentially. Who's going to cave first? And you know every single team owner is praying for the sake of leverage that it's not the Texans ownership that the caves, it's not upper management, that caves they are praying because once you give these players that glimmer of hope that they are in control and you know, these owners don't want them to feel that way because, and you can talk to anybody. It's not the players in control. It's ownership. It's upper management. So you better believe that every team across the NFL is hoping Deshaun Watson comes back and plays because we don't want him to have that type of power.
1: And and this is scary because this could be, if he's got a good head on his shoulders and if what he what's coming out in the media is true, that he says he will sit out a season and you bring up the points of, of his dad in the past and those comments, like it could get bad. It could get really ugly here.
2: And if he doesn't get traded, I hope he sits out. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he does. Yeah. I'm all on the player side with this stuff. Like I'm especially never going to Deshaun- be on the owner side with any of this talk,
0: especially Deshaun Watson. There was not a bad story about him. Nope. Never the, has been. There was, it was, uh, Oh God, I'm going to butcher this story. I know I am. And I'm gonna have to look it up afterwards, but it was after his final season, he was at a bar d- down South and people saw it was deshaun watson and i don't know if he was in alabama or georgia or wherever but these fans are getting on him yelling at him and he gets up he he pays his check and leaves that not any issue whatsoever and even in a situation like that that's the type of person that deshaun watson is and i i hope he sits out and says screw you guys all right see it happening so i we can go on about this forever but i i'm with you mitch i'm i'm siding with uh The players, certainly on this one. But Tim Kelly, boring old Tim Kelly now. Offensive coordinator since 2019. He was the tight end coach before that, 2017 and 2018. Like we've done with all these other teams. Under Tim Kelly is the OC. Pass rate, 61% in 2020, 55% in 2019. 15 and 16% running back target share. 20% and 18% tight end target share. Assuming Deshaun Watson is there in 2021. And, and again, we just went on and on and on. So okay, if, okay. If, if he's not there, who the heck knows what's going to happen here? But do you think that we can really see any change in this offense? Tim Kelly's still there. It's not like it's a brand new offensive system coming in. Dan?
1: If they didn't have Deshaun, this is the 2020 Jets all over again. It is going to be a bad uphill season for this team. And morale is going to be shot in that locker room. If they do bring him back, Deshaun Watson can make any coach look good. I mean, he, he he's just a superstar. So, does Will Fuller come back? You know, and if he could stay, if he could do what he did again last year and and not get suspended at the end, I know he's going to be out week one. Um, they've got some tools there. Cook showed he could stay healthy for for a year. If, if Fuller
0: uh, gets gets resigned, we we don't know. That's the big question he- there.
1: You know, and that's another big question because if you don't have Deshaun and then you lose Fuller. Boy, it's really gonna get ugly. Yeah. And, and who's, who's gonna wanna who, who's gonna wanna sign a free agent contract with the Houston Texans? This might end up being like Randall Cobb, Surfer Boy Chad Henson, and uh, Brandon. Ryan,
0: Huck. Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: <laughs> Maybe Fitzmagic. Magic that they're gonna need someone positive to spark this team. So there is a lot of questions here. I mean, there's still questions that running back with David Johnson, but uh, you know, with Fuller, with Watson, everybody's fancy relevant no matter what. Um you know, we'll see what they do it, but I don't know. They've got a lot of work to do with this this franchise.
0: It just goes so far off of the fantasy path
2: yeah. that
0: we you really can't give a good analysis without it just being well. If this happens, this is what could happen, and it's just kind of like we have to wait and see.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: Dan,
1: well, if I could add one thing, Nick Casario, the GM, is probably the wild card. They have wanted this guy for the longest time. When Bill O'Brien was there, I mean, they were just set, and they finally got him. Now. Maybe is there, is there like a hidden genius under there, under the Belichick, you know, regimen that, you know, they had a lot of success in that organization for a long time. He didn't give me anything to make me feel good about it in the, in the press conference,
2: but. The odds aren't in his favor as far as the Belichick coaching GM tree goes. That's coming from a Matt Patricia fan over there. Big (laughs) fan,
0: big fan last thing i want to say about the texans and again mitch you're like oh this is gonna be are, are we gonna even be able to talk about the texans for two minutes 20 minutes here 20 there's lots minutes. of last things i guess no but this is the last thing hey, i hey i stuck to that with the jets but last thing for the texans quarterback coach coming over in a lateral move which is interesting because you don't see it often pep hamilton and what a name pep hamilton I might name my second son Pep Hamilton Bauer. I don't know. has a good ring to it. But quarterback coach in Los Angeles, Chargers, in 2020, we saw, and Mitch, you talk about this all the time, right? Well, Justin Herbert was supposed to be terrible. What happened? Pep Hamilton, maybe he had something to do with Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert really developing and showing off his talents more than most people expected.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see it. But the problem is, what quarterback is he going to help? that's what I worry about it's what if it's Ryan Mallett you know who are they going to bring in because I'm honestly worried that I think Deshaun Watson is loved by the players around the league everything we hear is all the players love him so like Dan said what free agent is going to want to come I'm sure free agents are going to be willing to go because they want a job right but which ones are going to do it when they know Deshaun Watson just flat out won't play for this team and then you're going to go and be quarterback for the Texans that really worries me. Yeah, there's a lot of question
0: marks, but again, maybe with these new coaches coming in, and I don't know. But again, it goes so much deeper than just the coaching staff. When, when Deshaun yeah. Watson,
1: J.J. Watt, and DeAndre Hopkins are calling exactly. you under the bus, man, that 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 that, that brotherhood of players in the NFL—they they, they're not coming.
0: Yeah. All right, moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So as soon as Urban Meyer was hired as the head coach. I put out a or Mitch you, you this is you Mitch in the middle of the yep. day in the middle of the 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 shop or you know the the office setting there there's machines going off in the background I'm like Mitch you gotta go on mute because all I hear is <laughs> <laughs> but we put together a breaking news pod about Urban Meyer becoming the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dan I know you want to give your recap of the The press conferences and and go through your your history of dysfunction here so i'm gonna let you start it off
1: i enjoy this one guys this one's taking me out of the dysfunction world and i was i was pleasantly uh i don't want to say surprised but uh, you know Houston, there was so much to talk to because it was just full of dysfunction. I just had fun with that one. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, again, they were high on the dysfunction list going into last year. They've had this will be their seventh coach in twenty six seasons. Obviously, zero Super Bowls. They've only had one season better than six and ten. So there's a lot, a lot of reasons. say, Hey, why are they not getting this right? Shad Khan, historically, you know, there's been some drama with I think his his son and in the, in, the, in the media there saying some things. He has not spent money wisely in the past. They've traded their top picks. You know, you get guys like Jalen Ramsey on your roster. All these draft picks that they've had throughout the years, they just keep trading them. So it's like you keep starting over. But I truly believe he his intentions were good, and he just hasn't had the right chemistry in that organization. He thought he had it. I think he really wanted to with Tom Coughlin as GM and Doug Marone as head coach. And you know, Tom Coughlin's had a great career. Um, not no disrespect to Coach Coughlin. He's a military guy, he, he bleeds football, but I just think the time passed. I don't think that was the role for him. I think he was, you know, a hard-nosed head coach that that had his years. And Chad Khan even mentioned in the press conference, he goes, We got away from the communication somehow. Like I think he's still trying to figure out in his mind like why did this not work? And as he sat from his, like, dining room background there in the the press conference, Urban was separate at Jacksonville headquarters. Um, It was awesome. I mean, they they were all well-spoken. Urban Meyer, I've had the opportunity when I was uh, coaching college football to listen to him speak at some of those Nike Coach of the Year clinics. Man, he captivates a room, and he gives you something as a coach that you take in your coaching career. And I know he's going to captivate that locker room and that organization. There's a buzz in Jacksonville that they talked about at the press conference. He's really studied this. Some of the interesting quotes I got from the conference. I mean, he's close friends with Jimmy Johnson, uh, my my Cowboys Hall of Fame coach from his time at Fox, who's been a resource for him. He advised them. A lot of people are going to say, hey, college to pro, making that jump. There's been so many that hasn't made it. And Coach Johnson says there's there's a perception out there that you have to be different. And he says college players are pro pro players. They want to win. That's the bottom line. They want to win. And Urban Meyer is out of that Jimmy Johnson mold, guys. I mean, he is going to hold those guys accountable, and he made it known in that press conference. He's going to give them the best of everything, the best coaching. He used the term great coaches. We talked about that in some of our previous Dynasty Theory episodes where you could just tell the the experience and the expectations and the bar. His bar is way up here versus these other coaches we just talked about. He did say the number one draft pick is huge in his decision. He would not jump into position if he knew he could not win sooner than later. Um, he's going to put- be
0: crazy seeing Zach Wilson in a Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I'm, 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 warming up to that. All right. I know. I, I'm not saying it's going to be Zach Wilson. It is going to be Trevor Lawrence. I, I I thoroughly believe that. But before I get back to the quarterbacks, he talked about being very demanding of everyone. Um, talked about watching his health co- closely. He's had some health concerns in the past, but he interviewed NFL players last year as part of his research to why organizations win, went out there and asked these NFL guys, you know, we saw him at a, in the booth in a Washington game. He said he spent a year ago with uh, Shad Khan at the Super Bowl, spent a lot of time, has a strong relationship there. And part of his game is just adapting to different players. This guy, has, he's, he didn't give any canned answers up there. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He, he told it like, like it is. And I'm not here just saying I'm on the Urban Meyer bandwagon because there's been some mistakes in his career. He hasn't handled everything the way it should. And I think he acknowledges that he said, I made some mistakes in my career, but I think overall his body of work, he has been a winner now from a dynasty fantasy football point where I started taking things away. He said this team is going to be the fastest team on the field. And he wasn't talking about 4-3-40 fast. He said they are going to play fast. So now I'm starting to think about a good sign of the offense and the snaps they're going to get. Kind of like an Arizona Cardinals, you know, getting a lot of snaps running a fast-paced team. And he says it won't be too complicated to slow players down or he will intervene. I know Mitch has got some good takes on the offensive coordinator. Like Urban's going to have his hands on everything here. Then he said he was going to build it around the players. And he mentioned two guys. He goes, if you have a Dwayne Haskins, now we know Dwayne Haskins' NFL version didn't pan out. But in college, he goes, you have a Dwayne Haskins, you throw the ball 50 times a game. He goes, if I have a Zeke, we're going to run the heck out of the ball. So who they draft and who they pick as free agents building around that roster, they're going to tell us what they're going to do next year. He is going to build it around that team, and he's got a history of that. Then they asked him about the quarterbacks. You know, know, have you studied this quarterback class? What's your thoughts on about it? He mentioned right out of the gate, Trevor, Josh, and Zach. He goes, I have studied these thoroughly. Not like in previous press conferences where they haven't even looked at film yet and have no clue and haven't done anything. He goes, I have extensively studied this, and there are some elite, his words were elite, quarterbacks in this class. So if I'm a dynasty owner right now, if you believe in Urban Meyer and and his record, I'm thinking, okay, elite quarterbacks, more than one, and he just named Trevor, Josh, and Zach without even – Without even thinking about quarterbacks. So that, that kind of moved all of those three now, guys time, right time up out.
0: There. T- time out because I let it pass the first time. I can't do it in a second. Who's Josh? Who, who, who's Josh?
1: Fields? Did I say that right? Do I got
0: Justin?
1: Justin. I'm sorry, Justin. Yeah, my bad. I'm all I'm all amped here. I, I got some Josh if, if in my if head. If you're
0: not watching on, on YouTube, you're not watching live. Dan actually was just dancing. I'm so excited because Zach Wilson, he
1: mentioned him like in the same sentence. (laughs) No hesitation. Elite quarterbacks, JB. The the, the ammo's building up for me, man. And he's
0: saying Justin's third cousin, Josh, is an elite quarterback.
1: Hey, I I digress there. But last thing I'll say about him is he said the player's going to be pushed given the best. He says they're going to love and respect the logo. He goes, this sounds high school. But if they don't, it's his job to get rid of them. And in that same mold of Jimmy Johnson, I'm telling you, players respond to this, and, th- and th- there's going to be fear in that locker room. If they don't bust their tail, they're gone. He will, he will, he will cut them to make an example out of them. So I think the Jaguars are trending in the right th- direction here.
0: Let me ask, and this is to Mitch because this is a concern of Mitch's yes. and Rob in the chat. He just mentioned this, but. Does he have commitment issues? I would be scared that he retires after two seasons. Mitch, we talked about this in the breaking news podcast and I was a little bit more optimistic than you might be.
2: Yeah. So I'm a Utah Utes fan. So I know urban Meyer going back to the two thousands, right? So he went, he was the coach at Bowling green. Belled from there as soon as he could. He was the coach for the Utes when they weren't, I mean, they weren't a power five school then. they were in the mountain West. And as soon as he could, he bailed from them, went to Florida. What happened as soon as the Florida times got rough? Oh, he has health issues. So he's out. Then he goes to Ohio state. What happens when Ohio state starts having issues? He has health issues and he has to go out. He is a front runner. And I saying that And he said it in his press conference. He would not take a job unless he thought he could win. I mean, flat out. But so I say those bad things about him, right? But he is one of the greatest college coaches in history. I mean, this isn't just someone coming up through the ranks who coached Oklahoma for four years and then we all of a sudden want him, right? He is a great head coach. He is a great speaker. He is everything you kind of want a coach to be. So the question's going to be is can he turn this team around fast enough so they're in playoff contention each year? Because I don't think for one minute if they go 2 and 14 this or I guess 2 and 15 next yeah. year, uh 3 and 14 the next year, I don't see him being there 2 years after that. But if he could turn it around, maybe go 6 and 11 next year playoff contention, then I could see him staying, but I definitely think the commitment issue is something to worry about with him.
1: I'll say this, Mitch. There's there's two thoughts that I would go with that. One, if he does have success early, he could change the culture of this organization. And even if he only stays for three, four, five years, he could get them in the track they need. And I think this owner could learn from him and do that. It's something Dallas didn't do. Bill Parcells said when he left, he goes, he thought he changed the culture of the team. And unfortunately, Jerry just lost that culture. Everything Bill Parcells brought back in Dallas, the ownership lost. And there was when I was at one of those Nike coaching year clinics, there was a special teams coordinator, Danny Smith, who I think is with your Steelers now, JB, if I'm not mistaken, as their special teams coordinator. As a young coach, I asked him, I go, what, what, what do you think is harder coaching in college or coaching in the NFL when you're looking at having like a family lifestyle? And he said college and Urban Meyer in that press conference says, you know, it, it's definitely not going to be college no anymore for me. I've studied the NFL for a long time, especially in the last six months, because you don't have that recruiting trail. You, you're not recruiting all year round. You're not dealing with the academics. Not that NFL is a hundred hour work weeks. I mean, it, it's intense, but there's a little bit ease of mm-hmm. family and his kids are all older. He mentioned two now. So he's, he's all in.
0: Dan, you made the comment about urban Meyer playing to the strengths of his teams. And that's going to be a big thing that people are going to talk about at nauseum throughout this off season. Well, how does urban Meyer, how is his offense going to affect the passing game, how is it going to impact James Robinson? And do, what do, we have do, seen, and this do, is what we... Do, how is do, it going to impact do, 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 do. DJ Shark? Yes. But what we talked about in the Breaking News podcast immediately after Urban Meyer being named the head coach was what he has done historically. If he has a pocket passer, he is going to use that pocket passer and their strengths. If he has a mobile quarterback, a, a Tim Tebow, Right. A, uh, 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 oh my God, Alex Smith, uh, you know, even Alex Smith from Ohio state Braxton Miller Miller. Holy cow. Just another name slip. There we go. But you have those mobile quarterbacks. He's going to use that to, to their advantage and their strength. So in terms of how is this going to impact the offense, anybody that is out there saying, well, I'm, I'm fairly certain this is how it's going to be
2: BS. Because we're all speculating at this point. My speculation is James Robinson is going to be fine. That's does speculation. Who came in.
0: Mitch is going to say James Robinson is going to be fine. And if they don't take another running back, I, I
2: absolutely think he is. So here's a question for you. What do you do with the tight ends? In my opinion, I don't care who the tight end is there. I don't know of a tight end that... Has ever been used by Urban Meyer. And I hate to go back because Darren Bevel, you know, he used TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson is like a top five tight end in the league right now. So it's kind of, eh, what do you do with it? But when you look at Bevel
0: and the time he spent in Seattle, even mm-hmm. Minnesota, and even, so let's look back over the last eight years. He only had under a 20% tight end target share once. See, that's good to know. Only once so a lot of people well don't forget about josh oliver down there and yeah there you know i he was what taking the third round i believe james o'shaughnessy yeah yeah you know, or you know it tyler eifert he if he comes back but even last year tyler eifert he saw he was smash. fine yeah but but i i do think there is going to be some opportunity what if a hunter henry goes to jacksonville it's a good point I, it's a very I think good point that's a fantastic spot so i i i I'm not writing off a Bevel-led offense when we look at a tight end. And Ben in the chat says Florida had Hernandez, and he did. You know, he did. Yeah, Ten But again,
1: years. Two, ago. two but, Hernandez references in one
0: show. Holy I cow!
2: Know, <laughs> I know, and,
0: and of course he was speaking strictly to on the, on the field. field. I, I don't but think we have to specify. I concede.
2: I concede, John. You're right about this tight end thing. I didn't realize Bevel had that much tight end usage the whole time.
0: Yeah, and then running back target share last eight seasons, every season between 15 and 19%. So is that a, a a hit for James Robinson, who was so used to seeing those targets last year? Maybe a little bit, but, 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 but. Mitch has Mitch given me that, that face if you're not watching on YouTube. But there is going to be a bigger opportunity and more touchdown upside. So it's that little bit of a trade-off. So if James Robinson is their guy, I'm not worried about him at all, just like Mitch said, but I'm a little bit more bullish there on the tight ends. And then it's, it's, it's a coin flip, you know, when it comes to the way Bevel operates his offense in terms of passing and running the ball, that was a big worry when he went to Detroit. Oh, everybody's writing off Kenny Galladay. So many articles out there, so many Twitter threads, so many debates and discussions and arguments At that time, I might have been a little argumentative. I know that's hard to believe these days. Um, But, you know, I I think that's something that we just don't know. But assuming that Jacksonville Jaguars defense is not good, I'm going to say they're going to throw the ball.
1: They're going to build it around Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, hey, in his rookie season, you don't want to throw the kid out to the wolves too much. I think they will lean on James Robinson a little bit, take some pressure off. Shark, I think he knows he has a number one receiver. He knows he has a number two receiver in LaVisca. I think it's building those complementary pieces of the offense, but they got to get the line right on both sides. We saw it in the Super Bowl. You have the offensive line and the defensive line, and that I think he's smart enough to build his team that way. And, hey, if they improve in the trenches, that only helps the offense.
0: Here's what we're going to do. Allen Robinson, he's coming back to Jacksonville. Hunter Henry, he's going to Jacksonville. He's going to solidify that tight end situation. James Robinson at running back. Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Every other draft pick, offensive line. Offensive line. You can Perfect. throw a defensive line, a defensive lineman in there if you want, but I don't want to see that defense improve at all. I want it to be (laughs) fast-paced, like Dan said, and I want them to have to put up 50 points to win. Urban might
1: not agree with you, JB, but the fantasy community, I'm sure, does.
0: That's what I want. That is what I'm going to get. All right, guys. Again, another fantastic show, but now it's time for Dan's favorite part, but I I spruced it up a little bit. Ready?
2: Final thoughts.
0: Again, if you're not watching, (laughs) if you're not watching... On YouTube, I have a new graphic with Dan and Mitch's little bit emojis. Dan has his cowboy gear on, giving a little wave. Mitch, the little shrug. But final thoughts, Dan, what do you have for our listeners here? 105 episodes in.
1: We've we, 100- we, we, we. 105. Wow. We got to work on that whole bitmoji picture introduction there. I think I saw it for a 10th of a second there. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what happened live, but, but it was cool. JB's been, he's been the graphic man behind the scenes here. Final thoughts tonight, man. Hey, I just, I kind of like, Sigh, relief—the DFC DFS season has concluded. I now pronounce my loyalty to Mitch and John and our Dynasty fans here. Is, is my Dynasty grind officially goes into overdrive now? Time to dive into the rankings. I've had fun uh, going through these coaches. You guys got us kickstarted on the on the the college draft, so let's go, boys! It's Dynasty time.
0: And now we are transitioning into full blown startup season. Rookie drafts—you know, talking about the, the rookies coming in. It's always good to get these coaching conversations out there because it does have a big impact, right? And what we can expect going forward, a lot of it is strictly speculation like we talked about, but to get that history and some information that maybe isn't being talked about, I think it's imperative. And, you know, three episodes of coaching conversations, it's been the best three weeks of Dan's life.
2: But we got to move every on. every minute. We got to move on. Mitch, final thoughts for the listeners. What do you got? You know, I don't self-promote us very often. I'm not the one out there being like, hey, Dynasty Theory, rah, rah, rah. But I will say this, like it is startup season. It's rookie draft season. It is time to get everything in order. If you don't have time for it, join the Patreon. There is a $2 tier. You could come in for a month and be like, this is stupid, I'm out. It's only two bucks um we have team breakdowns to where we will go through your whole league we will tell you trade partners what to do with draft picks how we see the draft going we have league breakdowns to where we will break down the whole league and break down every single team we have our tiers that have uh, how many players are there probably 300 players i would guess
0: it's right around there yeah
2: we have uh rookie draft rankings we have all of that stuff in different tiers and just come and check it out it's only two bucks a month There is no
1: off-season in Dynasty Theory.
2: And like Mitch said, if you don't
0: enjoy it, bail after the first month. But this is going to be a JBG that sticks. A John Bauer guarantee. You'll come back for month two. Yep. We we know it. All right. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. For exclusive bonus content, come over to patreon.com forward slash forward slash Dynasty Theory. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody.